Hello there, my friends. This is Spencer Michaud. Today we're going to be talking about the new moon in Taurus 3. So let me know in that chat box if you are here today. And uh, we will get started. We'll get started rolling here. Hey, there's Tanya. Hi, Tanya. How are you? It's coming. The message is coming from inside the house. <laughs> hey, there's uh, Miss Fox. Is that Juliana? Or is that a, the other J Fox that I know? <laughs> I have two, two friends that are J Fox. Hey, Lisa's here. Hi, Lisa. So if you're just popping in, uh, tell me that you're here. Tell me where you're coming from. Uh, we've got Tarya here from Finland, which is cool. We've got Lisa from New York. Um, we have one of my Fox friends here, either from Grand Rapids or from uh, my local area here. Jackie. Hello, Jackie. There you go. <laughs> Clarified. <laughs> I got a friend, Juliana Fox, and, and a friend, Jackie Fox. And uh, it's just always interesting to see who's showing up. Um, keep in mind, I do have a 20 second delay when it comes to the chat box. So I will get to the, the questions as soon as I can. Um, but I am, you know, working on it with a little bit of a delay. So today we're going to be talking about Taurus and the new moon. Um, we're going to go over both the new moon. We're going to break down Taurus three. I think I'm going to combine the sun in Taurus 3 with this live stream today so that I'm not super redundant with some of my content. So uh, we'll, we'll examine some of those things. Excuse me. Uh, we will examine a little bit the first quarter moon that's coming up on the 19th and then the opposition between the sun and the moon at the full moon lunar eclipse, uh, which is happening at five degrees of Sagittarius opposite the five degree Gemini sun. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll talk a little bit about the host today of the new moon. Um, try to break down the, the litai, which was the daimon and spirit associated with Taurus 3. I'm pulling uh, astrologically related tarot cards as we speak that will help us to find some meaning through a few visuals. Uh, and that's why I like the tarot for it helps to bring this kind of visual perspective to what we're doing. Um, and I've been, you know, like I said, I really lean hard on Austin Coppock's really great work from 36 Faces, where I, I first really got introduced to this concept of um, the Deccans being associated with these tarot cards, especially the Rider Waite tarot. And it's really brought a lot of enrichment to what I've been doing um, with my astrological work. It's been very, very, very helpful. All right, so Susanna is here from Finland. Welcome, Susanna. And welcome everyone else. And thank you for being here today. I really appreciate all of you. And um, let's dive in. Let's see if I get my good speaking rock out of my pocket. <laughs> I have a, a um, what is this? It's a lapis lazuli that I like to hold when I'm doing these things. I have a little bit of the, you know, new age habits die hard. <laughs> you, you could quote me on that. 
but um this is a nice beautiful blue rock that i got at a, a a gem and mineral show in jackson michigan you can see it here if you're watching along with me uh and it's good for a throat chakra and uh i always it's kind of like my little um my little magic feather you know like like dumbo had when he was learning to fly i may or may not need it but i like having it um all right so we've got uh Iaria, or is that how, am I saying that right? It's a L-L-A-R-I-A. -A. Uh, hello, messages from the tarots. Uh, it's always exciting to have new people here. So yeah, we've got a nice little, a little crew hanging in there with us today. So let's dive into it. And I want to hear in the chat box, how are things going over this last moon cycle? Um, we'll sh I'll share my screen here. And we'll start to to look at what we're look what we've been experiencing. So let's just go back for a minute before we get to this new moon and look at the last lunation that we've been uh, going through. Um, Susanna is saying, "Have you guys been tired today? I'm feeling the old moon." Yeah, for sure. I I always feel the balsamic moon phase, Susanna. I, I uh, really pay attention to those cycles, and I, I'm sure that she and I feel it especially because we're Cancerian suns and the moon is, uh, you know, has quite a bit of power over our, our bodies and how we feel. So what I'm looking at here is the April 26th full moon that we had um, in Scorpio, where some things, some intense things probably came to a head. And we've been letting go of some old habits. We've been mourning some losses and hopefully put, burying some things in the past and, and freeing ourselves up for, for a new start. So over the course of this time frame, we've been seeing Mars moving through Cancer, which is not a, a preferred place for Cancer. It is in its fall there. So it is a place where it is very uncomfortable. It has been wreaking havoc in our domestic situations, probably some conflicts potentially with uh, the way that we receive and give nurturing with mother figures in general. We just had Mother's Day yesterday, so happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. Um, hopefully it went okay for all of you. Um, I've had stories of people saying that, that their homes have been penetrated like Mars. Um, you know, <laughs> I mentioned in a video the other day that one of our neighbors literally drove their car through our fence and into our yard and destroyed a bunch of our bushes and, and completely annihilated the fence. Um, I've had another friend who, uh, who's been having some work done on the siding on her house, and they basically cut into her living room. So Mars is very much a player in, in our astrological um, timing right now. We're also seeing, as we move forward here, I'm going to go forward to the actual new moon, because um, I think we can kind of deal with what we, we've got in the present. Uh We've, we've got all these planets that are starting to move into Gemini. So we recently had Mercury ingress into Gemini, its home sign of Gemini. And Venus, uh, in the past couple days, has joined Mercury in this position. So what I'm looking at here is the May 11th new moon. I'm recording this during the balsamic phase. So we still do have one day before the moon actually renews itself, but we want to be prepared the best that we can. And we can see that this new moon is going to be happening at 21 degrees of Taurus, the third decan of Taurus. Uranus is still co-present, 
with the Taurus planets. So there is still the potential for some shakeups of our, of our routines. Um, I think that what I've experienced in the last few weeks is, is there are things that I normally would like to do during Taurus season that I've come to count on over the years for, for pleasure, but also for the type of work that I want to be able to get done. And Uranus has just thrown a big monkey wrench in a lot of those activities, uh, whether it is through disrupting things through unexpected events, or even with the contact with Saturn in the overcoming position where there is some kind of heavy, uh, heavy things that have felt like a weight on our shoulders that have really made, uh, asked us to have limitations when it comes to enjoying ourselves. One very small trivial example was I, I really enjoy uh, what I call football Christmas, right? Which is the NFL draft every year. It's it's the one weekend out of the year that I really try to allow my brain to just chew on something that isn't astrology. And I like analyzing, you know, players and how they fit. And it's it's a, it's a fun thing for me. But my favorite team was having a lot of controversy over the draft weekend with their star quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, you know, releasing the day of the draft that he wanted to leave. So it was this kind of, you know, storm cloud that was cast over something that usually is very enjoyable. So you may or may not be into football, but there may have been something like that it, during this Taurus season where you expected to find pleasure in something that you've come to count on over the years. And there may have been some heavy feelings around that way that you've pursued pleasure that caused some feelings of limitation and and maybe spoke to some endings. I think that this was the real difficult part for for myself and for other people who follow this team that I like is we've had this very, very talented person uh, that has brought us a lot of entertainment for the last 13 years. And I, I mentioned that, you know, whatever was going on in my life, uh, I could sit down and, and find some escape by, by watching sports and by, you know, kind of appreciating some of the, the, the dance that these uh, exceptional, uh, I don't know, I guess physical specimens are, are taking the going to the extremes of the body and things of that nature. I, I, I find that really interesting and people pushing themselves and the heroic nature and overcoming adversity. But Saturn is really saying, hey, even, even things that you've come to count on for over a decade may be coming to an ending soon. Um, I guess just a little background on that. There's a, this Aaron Rodgers fellow is getting into his 40s, and he is, you know, they drafted his replacement last year, which, you know, if you know about any type of job that you've been in, if you can see the writing on the wall that a young person might replace you, that, that it's an uncomfortable thing. And, and it speaks a little bit just to impermanence. Um, and that was something that really came up over the last lunar cycle was really getting in touch with impermanence. So tell me in the chat box, have you had anything going on where you've had to come to terms with impermanence? Um, usually spring is a time where we are focusing on growth potential. And I think that one of the things that's going on this spring season is really having to balance out growth potential but this continuing cycle of letting go of the past that we've been really tasked with since the winter solstice, um, where we had the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. 
I really think that Aquarius in general speaks quite a bit to leaving the past behind and being able to hopefully make a transition into a future. Tanya says, what's wild about that was that it turned out to be unfounded speculation and gossip. Yeah, Tanya lives with me, so <laughs> she's been hearing all about this. And uh, it, it's not completely unfounded, but it, was, it, it went nuclear by a reporter that chose to, quote unquote, break the story on the biggest media day of the NFL season. So he basically dropped a bomb on this to, to, for his own benefit and maybe even added to the, to the drama. And this was something that I thought was really interesting as far as uh, my research with Saturn lately is I've been reading this great book called Tiny Universe by Joy Usher that was recommended to me by another great astrologer named, named Shu Yap. And they talk about Saturn in that, in that uh, book especially Aquarius and Saturn's role in Aquarius is trying to control a narrative and only telling you certain information and rejecting other information. And that really seemed to be the case with, with this, um, this little mini sports drama was there are definitely people out there that are trying to control the narrative by choosing when to give inspiration, uh, choosing when to uh, you know, give information uh, choosing to eliminate information when it suits a particular narrative. I saw this today, and I wanted to bring this up because it really, it really is is having an effect on on me as far as like the collective. I saw a story that lawmakers in Oklahoma are trying to make a law to make it illegal uh, to teach about uh, the history of racism in America. And that, to me, really spoke to Saturn's ability to control a narrative by eliminating certain facts. And it makes me, I have to admit, that particular story made me very, very angry because I, censorship is something that I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of, especially when it's censorship to, to try to uphold white supremacy. Um, so that is something that I think we're really seeing at this pushback with and it, it is happening sort of on both sides of a political uh, spectrum. I, I spoke about this in my Venus and Gemini video the other day, is that um, when we talk about a buzzword like cancel culture, we're seeing uh, people that are on the more liberal side of the political spectrum trying to uh, eliminate certain voices to make things more, hopefully more fair and, and equitable for people moving forward. But we're also seeing people on the conservative side eliminating certain narratives that aren't fitting in within their ideology. So I think that we're definitely seeing it all over the, the spectrum of belief system where people are only uh, hearing what they want to hear and really trying to uh, cast into darkness information that isn't about you know, that doesn't fit their control. And that, that to me is really, really fascinating. And it's really exacerbated by the North Node in Gemini um, having this proliferation of different sources of information, casting things into doubt. Mercury likes to cast things into doubt. So we, we have Mercury hooking up with the North Node around this new moon also which is contributing to this flood of information, 
this flood of questioning things. Mercury is a planet that likes to question things. And right now, the host of this new moon, Venus, is in Mercury's sign, you know, having us question, um, you know, things in our relationships, having question, uh, having us question how we use our resources. Um, <laughs> Donnie can attest to this, but we've been having lots of conversations on how to use resources in our household lately. Uh, and Venus is going to be helping, I think, with that to try to bring some unity to and some grace to those conversations and begin to to um, bring a dispersing flexibility and hopefully an ability to pivot and and embrace a new skill set to deal with some of the the challenges that have come up. One of the things that I think came up recently was a a, a trine between Venus and Pluto as Venus was leaving Taurus. So things were c coming up and we were seeing a, a, maybe a, a highlight of things that have been repressed for a very long period of time. And we have to deal with those things um, in a way that is, you know, sober. That's what Saturn's asking us for in, in its more higher function is sobriety to, to restore right proportion to situations. So I'm looking at the chat box here and, and Tanya says, kicking off an air age with such heavy Saturnian influence probably exacerbates this. All this mutable energy is probably going to put some zip on that too. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, so yes, the air age, right? We, we had that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius where we're, we are kicking off this decentralization of power. We had the consolidation of power in physical resources and physical growth, um, you know, a small percentage of people gained an enormous amount of wealth through, well, through exploit, exploitation of the earth and its resources. And certain countries that had access to more physical, um, natural resources were able to, to amass great wealth, whereas other countries that may have had less land or, or not as fertile land probably fell behind a little bit. And in this air age, we're, we're going to see that decentralization process where hopefully that will begin to restore right proportion to the haves and the have-nots, but but we'll see. Um, the challenges with that is that uh, we don't necessarily have this centralized source of information. We don't have this centralized belief system that, that everybody is able to come on board with. We have a lot of different voices now struggling to establish themselves as, quote-unquote, the voice. And I don't know if that's ever going to be the case. I think that, we're, that we may have to come to terms with the fact that there are going to be many, many, many different voices in this conversation, and we have to try to make sense of that and find uh, a, an equilibrium within that. So that's just kind of what's going on with um, kind of the sky in general. Uh, the other thing that's going to be happening over this lunation is Mercury is going to be making a number of squares to Neptune, so there may be some confusion with the facts, and we may it, some details may get fudged along the way. Um, of course, this lunation is still in a square to Saturn and Jupiter, although Jupiter will be moving into Pisces shortly after the new moon on Thursday the 13th. So a real big shift with Jupiter and Pisces, and I'll do another video on Jupiter and Pisces and try to go in depth in that, but Jupiter is going to be returning to its nocturnal home, which 
hopefully will lead to some some good fortune coming in in the Piscean area of your life. I think that it's quite an improvement for Jupiter. Um, and uh, it's only a taste, though. It's only a preview. It's sort of like you're getting a taste of, of what could be the good fortune because it's only going to be in Pisces for a few weeks, and then it will retrograde back into Aquarius in, in the summer. It will then move into uh, Pisces for good at the end of the year in December of, of 2021. So 2022, uh, I'm looking forward to 2022. I'm just kind of biding my time over the rest of this year. It's, we've had a slight improvement over 2020, but we're not quite out of the woods yet with everything. And I think we're still trying to figure out what the world looks like and what our place in it is now that we've had these big changes. All right. Lisa says, also areas with resources have been exploited by others. Yes, definitely. Jennifer is here. She says, yay. Tarya says, yes, Jupiter. Yes, we have some excited <laughs> excitement over Jupiter moving into Pisces, and, and deservedly so. That is a very, very nice place for uh, making your dreams come true. I know that that's sort of cliche when we talk about manifestation, but I think that Jupiter and Pisces is one of the placements in astrology where if you can dream it, uh, you can bring it into reality on some level. So I, I really do think it's important to maybe start figuring out what, what kind of dreams you have and what kind of things that you, um, you know, what your motivating principle is. Because when you can come into alignment and harmony internally, then your external reality can follow suit and and become you know the agent of change. This is something I've really been working on lately. Is really trying to come come into to internal harmony before I take action out in the world. Because if I take an action before I've come into alignment with myself, um, it is not it, it, it's it's set up to fail. Um, because you know my my hesitancy, my my reluctance, my ambiguity internally uh, can probably lead to certain actions that can undermine what I'm trying to do externally. And this is uh, something that I think that well, I guess Tanya and I can talk about it because we both have twelfth house sons. This is something that we've been discussing as a couple lately uh, because we tend to have these patterns. So, sorry if I'm I'm putting too much of our spilling too much of our tea <laughs> in this live stream, but I think that it's uh, a t definitely a twelfth house thing, where you can get really motivated to do something, and then you know it is the house of self undoing, and there can be some some self sabotage that can come into place because of maybe an existential crisis and and a lack of ability to follow through on what we initiated, and that's definitely been true for me in my life in certain areas. Although I will say this, when I do know that when I come into alignment 100% with internally, the manifestation almost happens instantaneously. So it, it is not that we can't as 12th house people manifest. It's just that we really have to be clear about what we're trying to do. And, um, and then we'll have a lot more success with it rather than this, this doubt around it. Uh, we've got some claps from Susanna. Tanya says she's ridiculously hyped for jupe juice. Yes, that would be awesome. Taria says, we'll taste that dip of Zeus anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I, 
don't get me wrong. I, I'm looking forward to this Jupiter energy. It's my time lord, at least until my birthday in July, and then I get a real heavy dose of Saturn for two years. Yay, me. <laughs> Pray for me. Um, but I think that the uh, the end of May and June is probably going to be a good month for us Jupiter time lord folks. Uh, Jennifer says she has four personal planets there. Yeah, very cool. You, you, in, in Pisces or um, in Taurus? I'm assuming Pisces, but that, yeah, that's going to bring a, a big boost if you have a lot of stuff in Pisces, Jupiter returning back to that domicile to be able to provide resources there. Okay, so any questions so far? We, we doing all right? We, we, do we have a good lay of the land here, on a good landscape for what we're doing? All right, so let's talk a little bit about Taurus 3. Now, one thing that I wanted to point out with Taurus 3 and this new moon. So one of the concepts I've been talking about is looking at a host as the the clay that is being provided. Oh, Jennifer is saying she has four planets in the 12th house. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jennifer. I know you've <laughs> gone through the the mill of fate, much, much like myself and, and Tanya. Uh, I think that she has four planets there too. <laughs> like I have two planets there, which is plenty. It's plenty to deal with. Um, but I think that it builds character. I, I think that uh, it doesn't mean that we are just going to fail at everything at life. It just means that um, when we do have a success, it's really going to be something that we believe in because we've really had to work through a lot of things to, to get there. And I think that that's, um, that's the way I'm going to view that at the moment is that we're going to really have to keep climbing these mountains. But what I'm, what I'm talking about with uh, the Venus here, I circled Venus on my chart, is that Venus is what we call the clay for this new moon because it is the host. Now, the potters are going to be the sun and the moon. Now, I wanted to point out, though, that something that came up when I was meditating and taking notes on this is that Martin Hermes, uh, a very good Hellenistic astrologer that I've been watching a lot of lately on his YouTube channel, you can check him out, was talking about when a, when a planet is in aversion to its temple, the exaltation lord can take over responsibilities because the the... The domicile lord, okay, Venus in this case, is basically saying is unaware that those planets are even there. It's it's not able to provide resources for these two planets. But here is the good news: the moon is the exaltation lord of Taurus. So I'm curious to to see if the the moon is really kind of taking over responsibilities for this new moon in general. So even like I've seen other people talk about Venus providing this uh, overabundance of options. So we can see here, I'll just stop my share for a second. You can see that this is the eight of swords, which is the decan that Venus is in right now, this paralysis by all these different choices that we have to make. Now, that would seem to be a challenging planet. But I, I, I really, the hope that I have for this, this uh, lunation is that that moon is going to take over responsibilities and we're going to be dealing with this seven of pentacles energy. And um, it's not all sunshine and roses in the third decan of Taurus, but I think an exalted moon 
being the host of the lunation rather than an aversion Venus is good. So let's figure out how we're going to utilize those energies and flow with those changes. Again, if you um, uh, didn't see my last video, I was recommending this book right here, The Law of Changes by Jack M. Balkin, which is my my new favorite translation of the I Ching. Uh, it says the I Ching and the philosophy of life. He is a, a professor of law at Yale, but he did this kind of like side project to, to translate and give clarity to the I Ching. And it's really, really good and very, very accessible um, and practical. And he's very intelligent. Highly, highly recommend. Okay. Susanna says, I'm getting Jupiter as my time Lord next. So done with two years of Saturn. Oh, <laughs> so I'm going to be switching, switching. Uh, you know, fortune here. Um, but I'm happy for you, Susanna. It sounds like you've had a lot of stuff going on uh, that I will probably be dealing with soon. And, um, you know, sometimes we're on the top of the wheel and sometimes we're at the bottom. So uh, the wheel keeps on spinning. But, but as this book, The Law of Changes, talks about, there are ways that we can prepare for good fortune to return rather than bemoaning our fate. Um, there's ways we can prolong some of the good fortune if we are experiencing that. And there's ways that we can use the good fortune we're currently experiencing to be generous with others, to uplift others. So that those were three things that really stuck out to me about this book. It, it talks a lot about how to utilize the, the I Ching to cultivate character. You know, this is something, it's a, it's a, it's a character cultivator. It's a philosophy, it, it literally says in the title, philosophy of life. And it's not just a divinatory oracle, and, I, and that's what I've been really uh, utilizing it for, is just to come to terms with change and try to become a better person through acceptance of those cycles uh, without becoming uh, a victim of change. And this is, like this, you know, for the, all you 12th house people out there, it's easy to feel like, man, it's an uphill struggle, right? It's like the Sisyphean task where we're rolling the boulder up the hill and it keeps rolling back down on us and we can feel like victims of fate with a lot of placements in the 12th house. But I think that um, there are different ways to shift perspective so that we don't get um, too depressed and too um, hopeless. I think there's always ways we can find hope. And, and this this study is very helping me with that. Um, Tarya says self-sufficient moon cycle then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the moon in, in third decan Taurus here and exalted, the moon's in charge. It's, it's not really asking for any help from Venus here, because Venus isn't going to be able to provide that. So the moon's taking over. It's this pure um, generative quality, right? The moon is collecting things. It's collecting light. It is, you know, helping us focus on the body. Um, it's helping us to eliminate things that will threaten what we've been trying to grow over Taurus season in general. So this is one of the things I wanted to point out with the new moon in Taurus 3. So Taurus 3 is the culmination of this story. And I'm going to show you what we're dealing with here. We started off, the story of Taurus goes like this. We have the five of pentacles where we were making plans to prevent um, falling into destitution. We've got this five of pentacles uh, card here, which is called worry. And we're worrying about our future. We're worrying about not having enough. We may have sustained some kind of 
misfortune or injury, but that will lead to having faith in the process and taking the necessary action to plan for a prosperous future. So this is a Mercury Deccan that is planning for material security. Okay. Now, when we get to the second Deccan, we have this is called success. And this is a Deccan that is moon ruled where we're able to bring things into fruition and we have to use what we have created to, to be generous with others. Generosity and reciprocity can create more prosperity in the future. And so we've come to success through consistency, through having a consistent um, rhythm, through we've planted the seeds in that first second, but then now we have to take care of it and water and then you know, work with the cycles of nature to uh, bring something into fruition. Now, when we get to this deck in here, the third deck in the seven of pentacles, okay, this is a figure, if we see here, a figure is he's leaning on his farming tool. He's contemplating the results of his work. Um, this card was called failure, but success unfulfilled. This is kind of a negative, there's a negative connotation with this card in book T and the book of Toth. Now, part of the reason is because this is a double Saturn rule Deccan. There may be some disappointment in what we've grown so far, or there may be certain forces that are, are threatening the seeds that we've planted that we have to be vigilant against. This is one of the keys to this Deccan, is there are, whenever we plant a garden, there's always a, some pests that we have to deal with. There's, there's groundhogs, there's bugs, there's diseases, and we have to be able to root out some of those forces that we don't always have control over. If you've ever planted a garden, you know that dealing with things like uh, like a groundhog or something like that is a <laughs> sometimes it's a futile task. There's this really interesting um, Instagram channel. I'll have to look it up, and someone can find it. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's this gardener that was battling a groundhog. And he eventually gave up and planted a garden specifically for the groundhog and put a trail cam, cam on there to, to record his adventures. So instead of continually fighting the groundhog, he said, you know what, I'm going to accept that this is just a part of nature and I'm going to go back to my generosity and that's going to help me to, to um, protect the crops that I do want to harvest by just giving this little bastard his own garden and entertaining people along the way. So that was a great solution for this person, right? But there's some challenges here, okay? Saturn is a, is a force that can threaten uh, life. It is, it is the opposite of life. It is that, that quality of contraction of life, and, and it was associated with death. I'm keeping an eye on the chat box here. Uh, Jackie says, what did it collect from its conjunction to Uranus just prior to the new moon. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and Tanya says, also looking to the spiritual for security. Yeah, that, that could be part of the five of pentacles there. So that is a good question, Jackie. What did the moon collect as it went into its conjunction with Uranus? Now, as I'm recording this, I think that we're, we may still be getting it. Um, so the moon is applying to Uranus as I speak within three degrees. So I would actually just pay attention to what happens today and see what comes to light. Uh, I, I have a feeling what it's going to be is that there is probably going to be something shown to you about how you use your resources 
And you're going to probably need to shatter some old preconceptions around it to be able to move forward and to maintain faith and prosperity and abundance in your life. Um, again, Tanya can speak to this, but we've been kind of having some heavy budget conversations lately. And uh, we have to make some changes with the way that we deal with with our joint resources and things like that. But it, it, I think that it's it's positive. It, when, anytime that you're shining light on something that has fallen into darkness, that can be healing. Remember, the sun brings vitality, and the sun is going to warm up that soil to allow for new growth to take place in the future. Lisa says, my son just told me an hour ago he set up a cam to watch a cottontail who made a nest in his yard. He has been trying to pr protest uh, or protect the rabbit from stray cats in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's it, it's always, I think, as, as gardeners, um, I think agriculture in general is almost working against natural forces, isn't it? It's, it's us trying to control nature. And it sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's always a, it's kind of a, a battle, isn't it? But I think that there's new forms of agriculture that, uh, you know, things like permaculture where we work with nature rather than fight against it. And I think we're seeing this with the transition to organic farming and things like that and moving away from in large scale industrial farming hopefully because that's exploitive of the earth and it's not working within the natural rhythms it's something that is you know giving this endless growth cycle that eventually will exhaust the earth and not allow us to have any nutrients really in the food that we create anymore so uh, again i think that one of the keys to the third decade of taurus is being able to work with the cycles of nature rather than trying to control them, okay? I, I, I think that that's really a key thing if we're thinking of it from a very grounded, earthy perspective. Um, Iaria, Iaria? Am I saying that right, Iaria? Or L Loria, is it Loria or Iaria? Uh, she says, uh, you always suggest the best books ever. I am afraid I'm going to buy them all with this new cycle. <laughs> you, you and me both. Um, I have a, a book, a book fetish for sure. And um, I have more books right now than I think I could read in a lifetime. But I like that. I like that there's endless possibilities in my house for me to read. And, and I enjoy sharing um my sources because I always appreciate it when people turn me on to a new book and and one of the things I've tried to utilize as a second decan Taurus moon and with Jupiter on the fixed star Thuban, which is the hoarding dragon um, in Virgo, is both of those placements speak to when I share my abundance, when I share my wisdom, uh, it comes back to me sixfold. So if I try to hoard knowledge, eventually it's going to dry up and it's not going to be coming to me and flowing through me. So I really enjoy sharing sources because I, I just, um, every time I share a source, someone suggests a new book to me and, and things like that. Like, like I had a nice conversation with another Hellenistic astrologer who turned me on to a really great book that I think is going to be very, very useful in understanding these things with the, the Joy Usher books, Tiny Universe. Um, and I think that if we just make that, if we normalize that, if we normalize 
uh, sharing information, sharing our resources, recognizing that just because we are, um, you know, not the sole source of this information doesn't mean that it, it's going to diminish our ability to help people with that information. In fact, when you share information, it can be more helpful, right? I think a lot of people in this field um, like to protect their sources because they are afraid that they're going to be, someone else is going to like, you know, scoop them, right? And, and like, you know, be the sole source of that information. And I think that's a, an ass backwards way of doing this because if you're truly interested in serving your community with this information rather than your own ego, it doesn't matter if you're the only source or not. Uh, in fact, you're empowering other people to become self-sufficient, which I think is another Taurus theme, rather than having them be dependent on you. Uh, a lot of people in the spiritual community will tend to, to, to make people dependent on them by withholding and saying, I am the source of this information rather than the divine being the source and being a channel for the source. I do not consider myself the source. I consider myself an open channel for this wisdom, and hopefully I can become a clear enough channel so that it can flow through me and to all of you and eventually flow through all of you. Or it is flowing through you. It's not eventually. It is. You're just becoming to awareness of it, just like we all are. We're all channels for this, right? Uh, Ilaria. Ilaria. Okay. <laughs> Ilaria says, my name is Ilaria. Uh, but no worries. It's not an easy name. Sharing information, empowering them. Love that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly it. I, I'm, I'm not in control of your destiny. I am just a guide. And as a good guide, you, and as a good teacher, you want your students to eventually become masters. And you cannot fear like Saturn constantly being usurped, right? That's when Saturn becomes really destructive and really controlling and things like that. It's the fear of being usurped by a, a youthful power. And we're, this is what we're seeing, I think, a little bit with this trying to control the narrative and control the information is there is a certain section of people who are in power right now, like Kronos was, that are very, very afraid of losing their control over other people. And eventually, they will be overthrown like Zeus overthrew Kronos. Now the key, if people would really understand this, if you share power with other people, if you share wisdom, if you share knowledge, you're not going to have people uprise against you because they won't feel the need to because they have enough to do what they need to do. But if you're constantly withholding from people, eventually they will rise up and they will rebel and that extreme will turn into its opposite. This is another thing that I'm learning from the Book of Changes is every extreme yin will become yang eventually. Every extreme yang will become yin in this constant cycle flowing back and forth. So that the tighter you grip, try to grip an authority, the, the quicker you are hastening losing it. And I really feel like this is something that, you know, people in power don't quite understand right now is by trying to tighten their grip on control, they are planting the seed of, of being able to lose it even quicker. All right, that's really, really important. And this, this is something that I'm having to learn as a parent too, as a, as a parent of a teenager who's almost uh, an adult, is if you try to you know, keep a grip on your, your control 
you're hastening the rebellion, you know, you're hastening being able to lose that. So it's a, it has to be, you have to be really aware of those types of things in your life. The, the, the more intense you try to push something, you're really put, you can really be pushing it away. Right. And it takes patience. It's this, these changes don't come uh, overnight. If you're going to try to make a change in something that's fallen into disrepair, uh, sometimes, you know, it took, a, it took a while to get to that point. And if it's become corrupt, it's not going to change overnight as much as you might try to will it to. This is something I've been going through. Uh, I've been trying to use my will, my strong will to overcome what I perceived as, as a challenge. And, and that can create some, uh, some hardship. And that's happened in a lot of different areas of my life lately. I've had some challenges with my, my mom who fell ill, right? And she's had some challenges with taking care of her body and has some pretty bad habits. But if I try to push too hard, I'll just, you know, push her completely in the opposite direction. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, same thing with dealing with my daughter, same thing with managing a household, all of these things. Uh, Ilaria says, I am a Cancer rising with Chiron conjunct my ascendant, and I have a Capricorn stellium, so I'm very familiar with that fear. Thanks for sharing this. It's so inspiring. Well, thank you, Ilaria. I, I appreciate your comments and you being here today. Um, yes, having a Cancer rising, being a Cancer sun and Mercury, it's very, very easy. Uh, that Cancer Capricorn axis in general is one that definitely wants to control their environment. Cancers want to enjoy, to really control their uh, domestic environment. Um, Capricorns really want to control how people view them in the world. So that the, but the, the, the background of all this, I think, is security. And it's really about fearing not having that security. That Remember, opposites generally have some things in common. Okay, I, th I think that, and that's really the key with that. And you know, you, you've got a, I'm a Cancer Sun and my daughter is a Capricorn Sun and my partner is Capricorn Rising. So we, we're, we go through all this in this house. <laughs> like, Lisa says, oh, wow, you have no idea how bang on this is. Well, thank you, Lisa. I'm, I'm happy that, that it is resonating with all of you out there. Um, Susanna says, Ilaria, I'm a Cancer Sun and Venus with Moon and Ascendant in Cancer. Yeah, so Susanna's probably dealt with some of these, these issues as well, I'm sure. Um, Lisa has a daughter who is a cancer exactly rising opposite Chiron. So good. I'm glad that these themes are, are coming up for people and that I'm not alone with, with these tendencies. All right. So back to the new moon for a second here. Again, we, we are learning that when we push too hard, we can hasten decay and decay is inherent in this decan. It is a Saturn ruled decan. It is the point in the spring cycle where we've planted the garden. Things have started to grow. And now we have to uh, wait for the results while also being in maintenance mode. I, I would call this decan maintenance mode. So here at this new moon, we're really probably going to see some challenges come up. Um, there is two diamonds slash deities that really have an important story or role to play in this decan. One is called eight and the other are the litai. 
And eight was the concept of ruin and that comes from haste. So eight kind of pissed off Zeus in, in the story. And she was cast out of uh, the, the realm of the gods. And instead of falling to earth, she, she used human beings as, used their heads as stepping stones. <laughs> so this is something that came up in Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces, that I thought was really interesting, is, is she, she's stepping on people. And it's this oppressive energy, right? And um, eight, eight is all of the qualities where we are creating problems for, for ourselves through our impatience, um, through our hubris. I think this is the, the another quality of this Deccan is hubris versus humility. And eight was very hasty and would run in front of something, and the litai would follow behind. So if eight is, is hasty and, and impatient, uh, the litai were these old women that were said to be uh, lame or injured or, or something of that nature, and they were following behind very slowly, offering prayers or offering to be the intermediary between um, the gods and people who wanted to repent after eight had brought ruin. So this is the balance that we're trying to, to work through here. We're probably going to have some twists and turns of fortune during this new moon cycle. Um, I, I have some confidence in this cycle because the moon is exalted and that is as positive. Um, I think that Jupiter is going to be bringing some good stuff through moving into Pisces during this lunation. But here is the but. Saturn's still in the overcoming position. Saturn is going to also lose the contact with Jupiter, which means right now Jupiter has been kind of softening Saturn. Uh, by being in the same sign and by trying to help in the areas that Saturn has been bringing some oppressive influences. And once Jupiter moves into Pisces, that's that help is gone. Okay. Um, and that is, that concerns me a little bit. Uh, so th this, to me, it's going to, it's going to do one of two things. It's going to make the challenges we're experiencing through Saturn more intense but also it's going to be helping in a different area of our life. So it's like, think of it like this. You're probably going to have a something more challenging get louder, but you're also going to have more help from a different area of your life that could balance that out. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and Jackie's pointing out that planets in exaltation can fall from grace. That's a really, really good point. Because the moon exalted being the exaltation lord here and being the one who's probably in control of this new moon because the Venus is in aversion is maybe starting off in a higher position. And if we are impatient, if we are trying to make all the change at once, we do have the potential to fall from grace. This is something that I've learned from Nightlight Astrology and the, the courses I went through there, is, and that was something that really stuck with me, is that, you know, there, with, with planets in fall, there's nowhere to go but up. That's the hope in that. But with exaltation planets, you can get a little bit arrogant, and if you feel like everything's working out easily for you, and that's when the hubris can come in, when you expect things to always go that way, and you don't use the techniques that got you there, which was hard work, humility, and patience. 
All right. So that's really, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Flying too close to the sun, Tanya says. Um, Lisa's seeing all of this play out as we speak. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? So this new moon in Taurus three is about a confrontation with destructive forces, the Saturnian Deccan, uh, flood, drought, pestilence. Um, Litai is carrying the prayers of the, uh, what is this? I wrote this down in my, in my notes here, quote unquote, from 36 faces, the Litai carry the prayers of the miserable to the ears of the gods for redemption. That's important. This redemption is a really a good way of thinking about this Deccan. If we are able to humble, humble ourselves Saturnian style, uh, Austin Cobb calls this Deccan a string, a string of prayer beads, right? So the remedy for our haste, for our folly is to humble ourselves, to ask for help, to accept imperfection sometimes, to atone for our follies, for our imperfect human nature. Um, again, if, if something falls into ruin, you're going to have to have faith and patience to be able to restore it to balance. Okay. Um, and really the other key with this is that as any good gardener will tell you, you're going to have to accept a little bit of loss. You're going to have to accept that bugs are going to eat some of it, that animals are going to eat some of your, your, uh, your harvest. And if you get yourself all worked up trying to, to kill the gopher or to kill the rabbit, rather than just like, you know what, accepting that he's there, maybe even planting him his own garden and then, you know, prospering from not only the humor that they will bring and the interaction with nature, but releasing the tension of constantly trying to fight that natural force, man, how much better would your life flow if instead of just getting so angry that that like a natural creature who just wants to eat just like you is participating in this great dance uh, is, you know, instead of fighting against them, you just accept that they're there. So acceptance, I think, is another part of this new moon, accepting that there is going to be uh, some weeds in the garden. And you can weed it. It doesn't mean you ignore it. You don't ignore the groundhog. You don't ignore the weeds or they can completely take over. Like in, in that Instagram feed, you know, they did put a fence up over the place that they didn't want the groundhog. Okay. They do weed the garden. They try to keep him in his own little area. Right. And, and they make that much more open to him. He lives under their shed. So they put it closer to that. So he doesn't even have to go anywhere. He doesn't have to go near the garden that they want to harvest for themselves. They made it easier for that pest to quote unquote pest to just do what he wants to do, which is eat. Right. So working with those rhythms, uh, Lisa says, we are doing this. We put extra bird seed out for the squirrels and enjoy watching them. They are the fattest squirrels I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been a, a bird uh, watcher with bird feeders and things like that. And the squirrels, man, they are entertaining. Uh, <laughs> Tanya says, may we all be the pests that get blessed. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Um but yes, if you do put things out specifically for the squirrels, you're going to get a lot less frustrated with them eating the things that you're putting out for the birds. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And you get the entertainment of seeing these crazy little creatures going out and doing their thing, right? All right, so weed the fields, 
be careful of, of falling prey to workaholism during this new moon. Um, another part of, of this is that we can get so fixed in doing things a certain way that we are, it's difficult for us to come up for air and we can get really fixated on just trying to fight back the forces of, um, of, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Excuse me, the forces of decay, but entropy, the forces of entropy. Um, and it's endless. So again, do what you can do. Let nature take its course. Flow with the cycle rather than fighting against it because you're going to exhaust yourself if you completely fight against it. Um, the Seven of Pentacles, you know, Ben Abel Wen talks about patience. The work has been done. Little that you can do now but have faith. Something bigger than yourself. Um, I, I think that that's key. It's out of your hands. This is some of the keys with this is that it's just, um, again, those forces of nature are definitely bigger than you are. They're, they're going to keep coming. Nature finds a way. This is like that quote from Jurassic Park, right? We've got, uh, what's his name? Jeff Goldblum was like, well, uh, there it is. You know, he's doing his little like thing about life will find a way. And, and that is true. And it is, the, I think that that's where some of the human hubris comes in feeling like we are more powerful than nature because we've had some success, you know, trying to exert our will, but eventually by overly trying to control natural forces, we found ourselves in a, in a place of, of extreme climate change that where the earth itself may uh, flip the script on us and start creating more natural disasters that will make it very difficult for us to, to continue on the way that we're doing. Remember, we're planting the seed of the opposite because nature is always trying to come into equilibrium and homeostasis. So by us trying to control nature and not working with it, you know, what we're risking is nature eliminating us. Rather than us trying to eliminate the forces of nature, it's going to eliminate us. See what I'm saying? Tanya says, there's a principle in manifestation, which is the seventh day of rest. You can't pull up a seed if it's sprouting. Yeah, right? <laughs> like it's, sometimes you just got to let it be and do its thing and grow. Like you can't yell at it and grow faster. You know, it's, uh, although I've tried that, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm in various areas of my life. I bring the, uh, the intensity of fire and the stubbornness of having a Taurus moon. Um, Tanya and I both have Taurus moons, so you can see how some of those conversations go sometimes when we get fixated in our positions. Um, and sorry, Tanya, if our live stream turns into a public couples therapy. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, so yes, flexibility, knowing when to make an effort and when to rest is also very important. Sometimes God has a better plan than we do, and you know, not always trying to um, have bulls butting heads emoji. She says yes that we we do butt heads sometimes. We we take the time to smell the flowers and and things like that, but um, we also are set in our own ways. And but it's good. We're good people. We're we're exalted moon people. And. Uh, Tanya's on vacation right now. That's why she's participating in this chat. Um, a couple other things I wanted to talk about. One of the reasons, in addition to the two Saturn uh, face rulers that we see, 
of where this there can be challenges with this Deccan. Uh, there are two fixed stars in this Deccan that are a little bit challenging too. Uh, and Lisa says iron sharp sharpens iron. Yeah, for yes, for sure. Um, yeah, we've we've met our match as far as stubbornness, but yes, we <laughs> we're learning. Um, fixed stars in this Deccan, we have some challenging ones. At 24 degrees of Taurus, we have a fixed star called Capulus, which is the sword of Perseus. And Perseus was that hero that was holding the head of Medusa. And in, in the head of Medusa, we have another fixed star in this deck in at 26 degrees Taurus called Algol. So Capulus and Algol together, I, I think it's really interesting because Capulus is about rash actions. Capulus was in the sword of Perseus. So almost think of that 24 degrees area as the, the eight energy, the rashness where we're, we may be just pushing the river on things and being aggressive about things. And we have to kind of take a step back and, and realize that we, we can't completely force things. And then Algol, Algol is a tough, tough star. Um, Algol was the blinking eye of Medusa. It's a blinking star. It's red, uh, which was not good to the ancient people. You know, it looked like blood. Um, it was it is eclipsed fairly regularly by another star that is kind of hidden. And when things become eclipsed and blink in and out of existence to ancient people, that also was like, this is no bueno. This is not good. <laughs> like that thing keeps disappearing. But Algol is associated with intensity, passion, crisis, losing your head, but also protection from, from evil. So there are ways to utilize that fixed star very carefully to protect you from forces that could threaten you. In the, the uh, Chinese tradition, they called this fixed star piled up corpses. So it has traditionally been thought of as a place of death, of extreme violence um, and misfortune. So be, be careful, especially when the sun moves over Algol. And I'll look at that because since, I, since I'm consolidating both the sun in, in Taurus 3 video into this live stream. I'm going to talk about that a little bit as we go forward, maybe a little bit longer today. You don't have to stick with me through the whole thing. You can watch later if you have somewhere to go. But um, I've got like four videos to do this week and something else had to go. Uh, but just be very careful that, that you don't um, let your instinctual passion get the better of you when we have algal placements. Again, you can utilize it to protect yourself, but um, there can be extremes that you can go to where you can overdo it, and that can create some destruction in your life. Uh, Ilaria says, I was born with Mars retrograde on Algol. Oh, boy. I'm so excited to hear you talk about it. <laughs> well, hopefully I will be able to shed some light on that. That is a tough, that's a tough planet, especially retrograde to have on Algol. That is a planet that's in its exile uh, and retrograde on a very malefic fixed star. And sometimes the planets that if, if we have a benefic, it can bring out the, the better quality of it. But if we have a malefic on there, it can bring out some of the more challenging aspects of it. So I, I yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear your experiences about that, that placement um, with it. I, I know I've had friends that have prominent algal placements that have literally seen people be decapitated. Um, and have it had experiences with like corpses and things like that. So I, I hope that, that you've been spared some of that. 
Um, but I think that the key with Mars on Algol is, uh, you know, you may have some really strong uh, impulses to, for self-protection. And I think it's, it's important to uh, make sure that you are, you know, utilizing, you know, your center and not allowing some of those self-protective tendencies to, to get, um, I don't know, maybe out of control or something like that. Like, uh, this can also be, it depends on where it is. This is a really specific thing in the chart. It doesn't have to be you necessarily. Remember, a planet can represent other people in our life too. Um, it, it, is a, it is a thing where Mars on Algol could represent someone else who, who has a tendency to, to lose their head, right? Someone who could be very violent and, and things of that nature. Uh, Laria, did you say you're a Cancer rising? I'm looking in the, trying to look through the chart here. Um, were you the Capricorn with the Cancer rising? Yeah. So that's in your, that's in your 11th house. Um, so this could come in forms of friendships, right? This could be friends that, that may, uh, lose their temper quite easily or be, uh, destructive or things of that nature. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, we've got Aries on the 10th house and where is Scorpio? Scorpio is in the fifth. So uh, it could also be a boss. It could be maybe even your kids or like uh, things like that. Yeah, I, I wonder if you've had authority figures that have um, maybe overstepped some boundaries with you or something of that nature. So yeah, tell us your story. Uh, it says, I'm very scared of corpses and decapitation. <laughs> my worst fears, I swear, I'm cancerizing, yes. Yeah, and tell us tell us a little bit more if, you've, if, if some of these things have come up. But those are just things off the top of my head that that I think could be that could happen with that placement. We'll, we'll, we'll break down Algol a little bit more in depth here in a second. Um, so let's talk about the way that this is going to play out first. Okay, I'm going to go through some transits here. Um, so we have the actual new moon itself happening at about 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow, Tuesday, May 11th. Um, as we move forward, let's see what happens. We're going to have the moon escaping the bond. Let's see. When does the moon escape the bond? Let's, let's look at that because that is always instructive. I know Tarya likes it when I, when I do that and it is important though. It's an important Hellenistic technique to see what kind of vibe we're going to experience. So what we're looking for here is an eight degree of separation between the moon and the sun where the moon becomes visible again, where we start to see that little tiny crescent, okay? And what I'm seeing here is that the moon will escape the bond roughly at about eight or nine degrees of Gemini. And I think that the first aspect we're going to see is a trine to Saturn. If I'm, am I getting this correct? Does anybody else see anything different? I'm pretty sure it's a trine to Saturn. So what does that mean? Well, it means that taking a, a big picture view, uh, taking a, a sober perspective on, on the options that are presented to us, because when the moon is in Gemini 1, there's a proliferation of options. That I, What I want you to do is be able to see how the choices that you have in front of you fit into the bigger picture of your life. And by considering that long-term, slow growth manifestation energy, 
you're going to be able to work with this energy a lot better. Uh, since it's a trine, being able to be mature in your life and see how the, the, the overall blueprint of your life fits together and making choices based on that is going to be fruitful, okay? Uh, it's, it's probably going to be something where there will be an explosion of options around this too because not only are we seeing the trine with Saturn, but the moon's going to be hitting the north node right around that time that it's escaping from under the, the bond here. And the north node increases things. It increases, it's, it's like a gateway where things come into manifestation. So you're probably going to be offered a choice. Now, the, the north node at this time is going to be right on the fixed star Aldebaran. And Aldebaran is very growth orientated. It was kind of the fixed star in the eye of the bull that was associated with the spring equinox in, in, in the past before precession hit. But, but Aldebaran is all about maintaining your integrity rather than trying to get ahead at all costs. So there's probably options that are going to be offered to you. Um, my, my recommendation would be to stay true to yourself throughout this time frame. Um, integrity is an interesting thing. I, I talked about this a little bit in Venus and Gemini video, but integrity is not necessarily about being a perfect moral person. Integrity is more about understanding your limitations and being an integrated integrity person, be having the inner self reflected in the outer actions and the in the outer face that you put out to the world. It's like not promising more than you can deliver. It's being realistic about your capabilities and about what you really need to to prosper and what you really need to be respected as as yourself. Okay. So it's it's kind of like I think the true meaning of integrity is don't promise more than you, that you can deliver. Um, you know Try not to compromise your principles for growth, and you'll be okay. Okay. I'm um, looking in the chat box here. It says Ilaria says I've been bullied throughout all of my high, my school years, and friends have always been very judgmental. Yeah, I mean, see, there we see Mars on Algol manifesting through that 11th house of groups and friendships, a, a sore spot, right? And I'd have to look at your entire chart to, to really kind of see the mitigating factors or, or places where you can find relief. But, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense that, that, that friendships could be a source of trouble with Mars in its exile on a very difficult fixed star. Um, but yeah, Ilaria, if you want to reach out, reach out for a reading. I'd be happy to work through some of those things with you as well. And, and I can answer some simple questions here in the live stream. Um, she says she's a tarot reader and a self-love coach. Yay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, that is a great way to deal with um, maybe not getting the type of um, feedback from your collective friend group that is encouraging is is really turning internal and finding that uh approval uh in your center right i think that's a great way to deal with a, a placement like that is is really releasing the need to get approval from the group and cutting yourself off from um people in in your life that are pests i think that's the the key with if we think about mars in the third decan of of taurus it's really, Mars is asking us to sever and to separate. So there's probably people in Ilaria's life where she has to cut them out. She says, you know, if, if they're abusive, she needs to say, that's enough. I need to weed the garden of those people that aren't going to respect me and respect my selfhood. 
And that comes from having good self-esteem. When you respect yourself, you're, you will set healthy boundaries with people because you're not going to allow yourself to be treated in a, in a detrimental way. All right. So I think that we've kind of unpacked the new moon itself. Um, we're moving forward through the transits here. We see that the moon's escaping the bond uh, around eight or nine degrees, I believe. Yeah, around eight or nine degrees of Gemini, conjoining the north node, proliferation of options. It will then basically immediately trine Saturn. So again, using your Saturnian balancing, um, there may be something that you have to do that isn't uh, fun, but it could really bring some positive growth into your life uh, by eliminating that which is not serving you. Okay. Like I, I think that part of the thing of this new moon is this is weed the garden time. Okay. And Saturn's going to be helping with that. Again, I think taking that 30,000 foot view of your life and being able to see how the action you're taking today fits into the big picture uh, is going to be very beneficial. Um, a lot of the times, and this is something we've been discussing in my household, is we can get nose to the grindstone a little bit, and uh, we have to come up for air every once in a while and see how these, these, this hard work is moving us towards our goals, our bigger goals. And a lot of times it's not about working harder, it's about working smarter. Uh, if if what you've been doing is exhausting you and not producing the results that you want it to, a lot of the times it's important to, to pivot and to shift and to explore and get curious about different types of solutions. This is what all of these Gemini placements are asking us to do right now. The, the I Ching speaks to this as well. This is not a time where we're going to get the final answer to our problems, but it's a time for us to get curious and to remain flexible, okay? We're not through to the other side yet, okay? We're not through to the other side. And we have to be comfortable with some ambiguity. And without oversharing, this was part of my lesson over the past weekend, was I was uncomfortable with some ambiguity in our household, and I, I was trying to force the river, and I needed to accept that there's time has to pass before the ambiguity can be resolved. And that's, that's an important lesson, I think, that, that we can all learn from this lunation cycle, right? Um, let's move forward. Let's look at... Okay, we see the sun is going to hit Capulus around May the 15th. So next Saturday, I do think it's important that we slow our roll. Okay, this is something where you might want to be taking action and we're going to see the moon is going to hit Mars on that day as well. So there again, there could be some conflicts that come up within the domestic sphere due to some of our impatience. The sun will begin to make an applying trine to Pluto. So there, this may be another point in time that we see something that has been thrust underground that we're going to be shining awareness on it. And it may be something corrupt through neglect. And again, the way that you deal with corruption is you, you can't deal with something that's become corrupt over many months or many years in one day. It takes, it takes time to an unravel an elaborate knot. Okay. 
And having patience with the process and having faith in the process is really important. Now, I did want to point, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that Jupiter on Thursday, on the 13th, has moved into Pisces. So you just really look at the Pisces area of your chart for some, some kind of preview of some really good fortune that could come to pass around that, uh, that thing. And I just, I'm just thinking about this. I have Jupiter in my eighth house of shared resources. So uh, some of the hard work we've been doing lately, uh, unraveling some of the knots, uh, I think may start to pay up some, some benefits moving forward. Um, let's see. What else? All right. So that's the 15th. That's Capulus. Remember, that's the sword of Perseus here, it, which is rash action. So slow down on, on May the 15th. Try to, to think about how it fits into the grand picture, the big picture of things. And as we move forward through Sunday and then Monday, we're going to see the sun is going to begin to hit Algol. Okay. And it's going to ex make the exact trine to Pluto. So this is another time where just take a deep breath. Try not to lose your head or become overly passionate about something, um, especially because Pluto is going to be exacerbating some of the issues, right? Um, I think that it's important to recognize that Pluto is a planet that can blow little things out of proportion and minimize things of great importance. This was something I learned from Alan White who was a really intelligent Hellenistic astrologer that had a lot of conversations with Robert Schmidt in Project Hindsight. And he was talking about the concept of nuclear fusion and nuclear fission with Pluto. Um, so be careful not to let small issues blow up into this huge thing that creates a lot of irrational anger. But be also be careful not to minimize a big problem if there's something that is shown to you through the light of the sun to be a real issue, you have to have the courage to face it and to deal with it. And I think this is going to be a really important um, thing that's going to be happening around the 17th of May on Monday here. Now we do have the moon uh, in its own domicile, but it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be hanging out with Mars. I, I just, that's a, that's tough. That's a tough, the moon hitting Mars. It's, um, might be a time where our bodies are not feeling the greatest, where we might feel run down. Um, again, domestic issues may come to the fore. I also will point out that Venus is hitting uh, Aldebaran on that day and the North Node. So in your relationships, again, very important to, to maintain your integrity. Don't get bent out of shape. Uh, and, and don't, don't allow whatever conflict comes up to make you take actions that you will later regret. I think that if you, if you have a conflict, um, and again, Venus is going to be applying to a trine with Saturn, so sobriety in our relationships, okay? If something comes up, take a deep breath, take a time out, um, recognize that you don't have to solve the, the issue right away. If someone is getting to their breaking point, you know, leave them alone for a little while. Um, 
you know, accept their follies, right? Accept their follies, pray for guidance, atone for mistakes in the past, but don't, um, don't lord them over people. I think this is another thing that can be really damaging in a relationship of, is if there was an integrity breach in the past, continuing to like base our future on it. And I think that that's something that really is destructive in relationships is a lot of the times we have to, yes, we have to deal with problems that come up, but we can't continually be dragging people through the mud for things that have happened in the past. Um, it's part of this is living in the moment and recognizing that our future does not determine our, our, our past does not always determine our future. Sometimes it does if there are patterns, if there's really abusive patterns in a relationship, then that's something to consider. But a lot of the times misunderstandings come up because of communication breakdowns and because of one or both partners either basing their reaction to something based on the past and what has happened in the past. So something to consider as we move forward through this, what looks like a little bit of a difficult uh, bumpy patch in the middle of May here. Okay. Um, luckily though, it's temporary. This too shall pass. If I move forward to the 19th, after we get through this, uh, patch here, moon's going to move into to Leo and we're going to be starting to experience our last quarter moon phase. So on May the 19th, you can see here, we've got a square between the sun and the moon. Now this is the first quarter square and first quarter squares generally are about um, difficulty and, and friction in bringing something into manifestation. So here we have the, a conflict between patience, okay, which is the seven of pentacles and defending our territory and our authenticity. So there may be some ego challenges that come up at this four, first quarter moon square. There may be something where you feel like you have to defend your resources or defend your garden against some kind of gopher or woodchuck that won't you know, stop eating your tomatoes or whatever. Um, but remember what we talked about at the beginning of this is that if you can find a solution where you can flow with the cycle of nature rather than exhaust yourself through a constant battle, um, that probably will, will bring about less stress and a better solution. So like, let's say that we apply that same concept to our human relationships. If you get into an ego battle with someone where you feel like you have to defend your territory or defend your resources, it's probably better to learn to accept that other person's personality and work with it rather than try to like completely change them or eliminate, you know, some of the things that they, uh, their tendencies. So like the Instagram woodchuck, maybe we need to build a separate garden for the people in our life and allow them to kind of do their thing while also putting a fence around our own garden. Does that make sense? So, and I don't have any specific examples about this, but I, I think that you can probably infer in your own life where you may have an, a, a, a difference of opinion with someone where you just may have a little bit of a different temperament and 
kind of accepting each other for who you are and trying to work with that person and their temperament might be the way out of that, that conflict and that challenge. Um, there may also be some situations where you have to stand your ground, where you have to say, no, this isn't a non-negotiable and this is a deal breaker and, and you, you might have to have somebody adjust you. Now, remember, these are two fixed signs. So this could be another instance where people could really get fixed in their, in their position and um, get really stubborn, okay? And that can be really damaging. I'm, I'm noticing, I'm just circling this because Mars will be conjoining my son at 15 degrees of cancer and Susanna's son. So Susanna, this one's for you. So um, on May 19th, uh, you know, the, the 15 degree cancer sons in the room here should probably practice some uh, humility and patience <laughs> and everyone else. Um, all right. And this this Mars placement is on the fixed star Canopus. So there may be a, a tendency to want to go exploring with this. Canopus was the, the, the navigator of the Argo. Um, Canopus and Sirius. So th those two fixed stars will have a, you know, we may feel really antsy, like we have to go on an adventure or something, or we have to leave something behind and, and just, just take a time out if you're feeling like you're going to destroy your world here. All right, so that's the first quarter moon square on the 19th. Now we get into another kind of big deal here. Um, on the 22nd, Venus is going to be making its evening rise. So that happens when Venus is separating from the sun by 15 degrees and becomes visible again. So this is a time where something's coming to light in that Gemini ruled area of your chart um, where you've probably been working on something behind the scenes really intensely, but now something becomes visible again uh, at on the, the 22nd or the 23rd, I, I really mark this day down as an important day um, for some big changes that are going to be happening because it's, it's kind of right before the eclipse. Uh, we're seeing something that was invisible becoming visible. Uh, this, was, this was called a moment of phosis in traditional astrology, an omen that is speaking very loud. So really pay attention to what is happening with Venus on the fixed star Rigel which is the foot in the is Orion's foot in the river the Eurydonis, the river that takes the barbarian to uh, the wisdom and humility of Hercules. Okay, so this may be the first step in bringing harmony to disparate opposites. Uh, Venus is in Gemini two, which is is that that card with the nine of swords where we're feeling like just torn in a lot of different directions. And Venus is trying to unify opposites. So we may finally be finding a way to, uh, we've been shown all these different directions. We've been shown all these different differences between us and other people. And we may finally be able to, to bring some kind of harmony to the table and start to unify those opposites in a way that will bring, bring better cooperation uh, in that area of our life. So, Pay attention to the 22nd of May. I think it's an important day for starting to bring some peace of mind. All right, if we move forward from that, the last really big thing that we have in this lunation is a full moon. 
So we go, we keep going, and we're going to see we've got an eclipse. All right. The, the, so this lunation comes to fruition on May the 26th with an opposition of the sun in the first decade of Gemini and the moon in the first decade of Sagittarius. Now, I'm going to do another live stream around this period of time to break it down in depth, but one thing I want you to notice is that Saturn has turned retrograde. So we're going to be reviewing some things that we've been dealing with with Saturn and the Aquarius area of your chart. Um, we have an applying opposition between Mars and Pluto. Oof, that's a little rough. Um, <clears throat> Mercury will be co-present with the Sun as the host, and but Jupiter will be in a really nice position to be hosting the Moon. Okay. This opposition is really going to be about action versus paralysis, options versus moving towards our goal. The sun, the moon in Sagittarius 1 has some synchronizations with the eight of wands, which is about moving quickly and saying, I'm finally going to take an action to do something. So we may feel torn between moving on all of the options that we have. But yeah, Jackie, Mar she says Mars opposed Pluto. Oof, I, I agree with that oof. Um, something may be uh, coming to light, uh, especially with the way that you deal with your the balance between your public and your private self. Uh, I think that that's one of the themes of this axis is, pub is family versus, you know, society. So, you know, some conflict in your domestic sphere may be making it difficult to do some things out in the world, depending on where this falls in your chart just take extra care around this period of time. Remember, eclipses were sort of malefic events in traditional astrology. Don't charge your crystals up or or perform, you know, I don't know, any weird rituals that aren't focused on like propitiating, you know, Rahu or Ketu. Uh, you know, those are the only ones I would recommend is what I'm trying to say. When we do rituals here in the house at, on eclipses, we uh, I believe this is a K2 one. So we'll do a K2 ritual where we'll, you know, K2 is sort of associated with, with um, Saturn and black rice and things like that, where we're trying to, to say, hey, K2, only remove that which is necessary, right? It's say, please be gentle in what you're removing because full moon eclipses are about endings. You know, they're about really the, the end of a chapter before we get to the the, the supercharged new moon, um, which is going to be happening on June the 10th, okay? So this will be the beginning of a big transition period uh, where we're going to be ending one chapter and beginning another one. So just be kind to yourself around that period of time. Don't stare at it. <laughs> you know, don't, don't look at it. Uh, you, know, it, it you know, Sphere and Sundry has some really good rituals that you can do to propitiate Rahu or K2 around this period of time to hopefully have the eclipse be gentler for you. I know like I had a, an eclipse in my sixth house at one point in time um, where I bit into a, a really chewy piece of jerky and I cracked a tooth. So I was like, oh no, I'm losing a tooth, you know, like kind of things like that. Like, so just be, be vigilant around this period of time. And um, if you've weeded the garden if you've explored well during Gemini season, 
you will have a, a pretty good idea, I think, of, of how you should move forward and what you want to take action on. But I think that the key during this new moon is, you know, don't rush the process, work with the natural forces. Before you can make that really big new start, you're going to have to let go of some of the old patterns that may be blocking you. And a lot of those things are probably internal, right? So if you can come into alignment, come into integrity internally, it's going to be a lot easier to take action and make the right choice based on your integrity when you get to this point, this May 26th full moon eclipse. Okay. All right. So let's do an I Ching and wrap this up for the day. Anybody have any questions while I go through this or have any, uh, I appreciate you all being here today and uh, all of the adventures that were going on. Thank you to my wonderful partner, Tanya, for her insight, for her patience. <laughs> Hopefully I haven't overshared. Probably did. So it goes. Um, we are looking at number 64, which is called Before the End, which I think is really, I think, apropos. Because we are going to have some kind of ending at this lunar eclipse. And this is the lunation right before that ending. So we're, we're trying to tie up loose ends. We're trying to get across a river. This is a, uh, in this hexagram, they talk about a little fox that is trying to cross a river that has ice on it. And um, he has to step very carefully so that he doesn't fall into the river. He has to, to measure each step. And uh, if he goes too quickly, he could fall into the river and all his progress could be lost. If he is very careful, if he's very vigilant, it's much more likely that he's able to get across without getting himself wet and putting himself in danger. So this, is, this hexagram is also called before completion, not yet across, before the end, nearly home and dry. Bringing order out of confusion, exercise caution and circumspection. Now, this is moving to a hexagram number 38, which is called opposition, estrangement, misunderstanding, diff different points of view, polarity, diversity, creative tension, finding, uh, finding community within difference. Um, one changing line before we get to that and talk about that. It's line number one, and he says, he gets his tail wet, humiliation. All right. So this is the fox trying to cross the, the water too quickly and getting his tail wet. This is a setback that could have been maybe avoided through prudence. Now, one of the things I like about the Book of Changes is that none of this is set in stone. This is a warning. So I think that through you being here today or listening to this podcast, if you realize that there will be something where you're going to have to slow down and be practice extra vigilance, you may be able to prevent this negative outcome. Okay. That's what I like about this. Very practical. It's very grounded. Um, resist haste. Live, live with some of the ambiguity. All right. I know that we want to resolve all of these questions that we have in different parts of our life. And sometimes we just need to work with the quality of time and nature to allow the answers to come to us. This is really the key to Gemini. Gemini is not about answers. 
It's about asking the right questions that eventually will lead to choices and to answers, right? It's, it's the asking the questions that eventually lead to birth. It's pregnancy. It's the splitting of cells in the womb in, in mitosis, okay? So, yes, hold your horses, Lisa. Yes, exactly. Explore. Get curious. This is a time for getting curious, practicing flexibility, practicing caution, um, it says, let, I wrote down some notes I had with this line. Let things take their natural course. Don't push. Don't be like eight. You may be tempted to, to rush things like, the, like ruin, like eight. But you, if you do, you will have to repent. And the Littite will, will have to be um, propitiated through prayer, right? Um, it says to... Respect a delicate situation. Forcing it might make it worse. If you're in a situation that is tenuous already and you have a desire to end the chaos, if you do it too early, you, you can cr create a setback. Okay, so again, heed your limitations, resist premature action, get curious, live with some of the ambiguity for a period of time. Susanna says, how would you feel about going shortly through the house placements of the eclipse where it happened based on each rising sign in your next live. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I will do that. Um, that's a good feature. Yeah, because eclipses are, are important. And I think it's, it's good to kind of see what area of life we're going to be trying to bring balance to with that. Um, I could probably do this with this moon really quickly if you want. But again... Just to, just to bring this, uh, this I Ching reading to a close here, patience is the key. You may find yourself in a situation of conflict and a misunderstanding. Try to communicate the best that you can. Respect the opposite viewpoint. This is about listening, right? Gemini is not about, this is really the key to Gemini. It's not about just talking incessantly. Right? I mean, you can have Sagittarian folks in your life that just talk and never listen. They can only hear their own viewpoint. Right? I've seen that manifest. And Geminis have been accused of being verbose, but there's definitely an exchange with Gemini. A really enlightened Gemini is both a great listener and a great communicator. So being able to hear what the situation requires will allow you to make the adjustments like Mercury wants to make, like Hermes wants to make. Okay? So that's the key with this, to, to get through this, this lunation. Now I'm going to back up for a second, and I will go through this real quickly because um, I think this, is, this will be fun. All right, so let's start off very quickly so that we don't go two hours here. But let's say that you have this new moon happening in your first house, all right? Um, this may be something where you're having to weed out something within the body, something where you're having to, up your, this is for Taurus rising, okay? We're weeding out something within the body. Uh, we are getting rid of a bad habit. We may have something that is coming through potentially your neighbors, your uh, communication style. It may be an issue with siblings that affects you personally in the way that you view yourself. Okay, you've got Mars in the third house right now. You probably have some conflict with the people in your immediate environment, whether they're siblings or neighbors or when you take short journeys, things of that nature. Just an example of this. 
The lease that I signed for my apartment had a Taurus rising. And since Mars has moved through the third house, we've had all sorts of troubles with our neighbors, including them driving through our fence and mowing down our bushes. So you could see a nasty Mars is causing conflict uh, in that in that realm, okay? So that's Taurus rising. Again, you're probably feeling also the weight of Saturn in your 10th house in, in public, uh, really having to, to, to mature in the way that you deal with action outside of uh, the home. All right, if we go forward to Gemini rising here, this is this puts the the new moon in the 12th house. Oh, this this puts Mars in the second. So so there is some challenges with finances, the way that you, you know, the skills that you use to support yourself, the resources you use to support yourself. There may be some secret fear with Gemini risings right now of not having enough that may lead you to take actions that could lead to a self-undoing. Um, I would I would really lean into Venus in your first house right now and try to be conciliatory and curious and ask really good questions. And don't let your, your fear of your resources being threatened make you uh, take hasty actions that could lead to a self-undoing. If we move forward to Cancer Rising, oh boy, you've got Mars in the first house right now, um, really probably making you a little spicy right now, making your emotions a little bit, uh, a little bit rash, um, probably due to some, some fear of losing some security. Um, and this new moon is going to be in the 11th house of groups. So just be careful that, that you, through your own actions, you're not alienating friends, um, that you're not getting too wrapped up in um, your role within that group and, you know, severing friendships that, that may be, um, that you're going to need, you know, the support that you're going to need, right? You got Pl Pluto in the seventh house too. So there may be some challenges with partnerships too, with cancer rising. I know we have a few cancer risings here today. Um, so again, you know, you're, you're probably the one that's feeling spicy right now. <laughs> you know, this could be challenges with the body too. Mars in the first can, can, make you your energy feel inconsistent and if you're emotionally inconsistent that that can be part of that could be contributing to some of the challenges you're having with partnerships and with potentially with these these people in your groups as well if i move forward to leo ascending oh boy i'm in a leo ascending so uh you know a new start in the career house but maybe having to weed out some things with authority figures in your life and uh you know paying attention to your partnerships too and how you work together with people with saturn here um J jupiter will be moving into your eighth house of shared resources so hopefully some clarity and some good fortune coming through to sharing resources with somebody else mars in the 12th is is not not as big of a deal because it's not aspecting the ascendant but it can still be bringing up things from from your past that are very deeply buried probably old assumptions that need to be let go of. I think that's the thing with Leo Ascending here. Um, you've got a lot of good stuff going on in your 11th house of groups, so don't take your friends for granted and, and maybe lean on them for some support during this period of time, especially if you have to take action out in the world. Um, that can be a good thing, especially as you're going through a lot of different changes here with Uranus in the 10th and trying to establish yourself in a new career and things of that nature. All right, if I move forward to... 
Virgo rising. Virgo rising is having a new start in their um, ninth house of finding meaning in life, of higher education, of learning, of travel. Uh, this could be where you're starting a new area of study, but you you don't want to rush the process. Like when you're learning something new, it's important for you to take your time with it and don't overdo it right away. You've got Mars moving through your 11th house of groups. So uh, just be careful that when you're in getting involved in a new area of study with other people, that you're not bringing conflict to the group or getting involved in dramas that don't necessarily concern you. I think that that could be one manifestation here. Um, just go with the flow. Uh, try not to stir things up. Uh, Virgo rising, you know, you've got a really powerful mer Mercury right now in the 10th house. Careful not to let your uh, your discernment lead you into peril. I think that one of the words I've really experienced with, with uh, Virgo lately is disgust. And it's, it, it is appropriate in certain areas when we're trying to determine something's value. We can, Virgo risings really can, can, are good at determining value, but sometimes they can use that superpower in situations that don't call for it, and that can lead to, to problems. All right. Libra rising. You're going to have a new moon in your eighth house of shared resources, of the, the death house. Um, this could be where you're, uh, like the Leo risings, you're going to be rooting out some, maybe some things that are holding you back through fear. Um, there is going to be Mars is in the 10th, right on your midheaven here depending on your, where your midheaven is located by whole sign. Uh, this could be you know, challenges with authority figures, challenges with, with the actions that you're taking out in the world, maybe some stuff with your job uh, that could be leading to, to some conflict. Um, you're going to have faith that, that you know, doing something different when it comes to teaming up with people is important with Uranus moving through your eighth house right now. And Saturn in the fifth is asking you really to, to uh, mature with the way that you seek pleasure. Um, my mom's a Libra rising, and she got herself in a lot of issues with her body by the way that she eats. And I think that, uh, you know, she's really facing some really important changes to her diet. So Saturn's really asking her to, to sober up when it comes to the way that she seeks pleasure. And that was through food. Um, so I'm just thinking of an example that's coming up. She also has a really nasty Mars here natally opposite Saturn and Capricorn. So it's not, not fun. Um, Lisa says you could clip this part of the video into a separate post. Yes, I could. But I'm just going to finish it off here so that we can, <laughs> maybe I'll timestamp it at the end here too. Scorpio rising. Um, you're probably going through some, through some stuff right now because Mars is the, the ruler of your ascendant and is in cancer and not happy in the ninth house. This is something where Scorpio risings are questioning their belief systems, probably having some conflicts over the, you know, what is motivating your action out in the world where you feel cut off from the things that brought you nurturance in the past and maybe some real conflicts over your why. And this could be leading to really needing to to take uh, a real hard look at your relationships right now and really weed the garden of how you participate with others. Again, it's probably due to some conflicts of belief and of how you see um, 
you you moving through the world, right? A lot of the times we have conflicts with our partners because we don't necessarily match up with, um, you know, a modus operandi, right? And I think that this could be a time period where you're really having to reevaluate how you go through your relationships with people. You're getting some shakeups with the routines with people that you partner with. And there's probably some endings happening in the home, in the family with Saturn here, and some maturation that needs to happen there. So tough time for Scorpio risings right now, but but hang in there. This too shall pass. And uh, you know, you utilize your your very your ability to leave the past behind and to compost things that aren't serving you anymore to be able to create that that Phoenix rebirth. All right, if we go forward to Sag Rising, you guys doing all right out, th out there? Is this, uh, is this helpful? Um, you got some good stuff coming. Now you do have a new moon in the sixth house, new, new routines, new work that may be coming your way. Uh, really important to pay attention to your health and weed out any bad habits that you might have. Uh, your ascendant ruler is going to be moving into Pisces and giving you a preview of like some positive changes that are happening on the home front. So that's really good news over this lunation cycle. Mars may be creating some fears about moving forward and, and utilizing joint resources with people. Um, but again, if you are able to, to separate some of the, from some of the fear of moving forward with somebody else, uh, you will have an easier time of this. And I think this this is true for Sad Sons too, is there's a lot of, uh, you know, trying to separate and make clarity happen with how you share resources with someone else. And there's conflict over it. But again, Mars is separating us from things that just weren't working in the past. And, and, and by letting the old habits go, uh, you will be able to move forward uh, under a new auspicious future, especially when it comes to creating a home together with, with somebody or buying a home or whatever. All right. Um, Capricorn rising. Capricorn rising. You got Saturn in aversion to the ascendant, which isn't super fun, but Saturn's going through and really making you, you uh, mature when it comes to resources now, since Saturn's in aversion to the Ascendant, Mars is taking over as the Exaltation Lord, and Mars is in really bad shape. So there's some conflicts going on with partners right now, and probably stemming from some of this Saturnian blind spot when it comes to uh, money, resources, how you support yourself, and expect some, some challenging conversations that, that have needed to happen uh, you got Pluto going through your first house, so this may make you feel a little bit spicy, a little bit, maybe some depression that could come up and, uh, you know, really reevaluating your own action and your own self. And some dark thoughts could come up with this too, so be careful with that. The new moon is going to be happening in the fifth house of how you pursue pleasure. So this could be, a, you know, weeding the garden of, of how you, uh, you know, how you... I don't know, entertain yourself, how you, uh, you know, the food that you eat, any way that you pursue pleasure. I think that's really the key of fifth house is pursuit of pleasure uh, could come into question and you really need to like 
work through that. This could be also a good new start with Capricorn rising for a new creative creative potential, starting a new creative project. Maybe maybe through realizing some of these challenges with resources, it really inspires you to make a new start. Maybe starting a new, I don't know, start a new Instagram channel to put your art up on and and creating some, you know, I don't know, new ways to to support yourself through merchandise and things like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just something that came to me off the top of my head here. Um, if we move forward to Aquarius rising, you've got Saturn moving through your first house. Jupiter is going to be moving into your second very shortly, uh, giving you a little boost with your finances. Um, but again, this has been a real maturation process with Saturn and in Aquarius, which it's going to retrograde soon. So there's going to be some some things that you've been working on. You're going to have to reevaluate if they've been working. Uh, the new moon will be happening in the fourth house of um, home, family, parental figures. So weeding out anything in the home that has been creating challenges. Again, there's that square from Saturn. So really examine your own role within the challenges that have been coming up in the home. There's probably been a, maybe even a minor health challenge that's come up or some difficulty with people that are your employees or people that work for you or disruptions in your daily routine with Mars and cancer in the sixth house. But you've got some really nice stuff happening in the fifth, uh, you know, finding new ways to, to find pleasure and to entertain yourself and things like that. And I'll just say, I'm just pulling all this off the top of my head. I didn't prepare this today. So hopefully you're getting some good stuff from this. Um, Jackie. Was it Jackie? Who who's who inspired me to do this? <laughs> it's good though. I know people want to know about themselves, so that's it's always a good positive thing. We're almost done. So Jupiter, uh, Pisces rising. So Pisces rising has been dealing with Neptune in the first for quite a long time, creating some difficulty with self identity and maybe some confusion slash illusion about who and what they are. Mars is moving through your fifth, creating maybe some some challenges with children or your your creativity or how you're seeking pleasure. This may be like time where your you know your uh, discipline isn't the greatest. Um, you will have Jupiter moving back to the first house, so that's really positive. This is a time where it, it's going to be Jupiter is going to be helping to find meaning, which is something that uh, Pisces rising is really really uh, concerned with. Is is that that inner dream is really exploring that those inner landscapes and Jupiter is going to be really helping to make make sense of it, uh, especially after Jupiter, uh, Neptune has been there, you know, kind of casting a lot of doubt on who and what you believe in. And Jupiter is going to return there to, to assist with this process. So you have a new moon in the third house of maybe new uh, communication style, weeding out anything in your immediate neighborhood or, or maybe an issue with a sibling coming to to fruition um, really needing to deal with uh, things in your immediate environment short journeys like uh, this could have to do with like going out to like the grocery store or the post office things like that anything in like the day I think third house is also uh, associated with daily routines in addition to the sixth so I, I would I would really examine how you go through your your daily habits and your daily the way that you work through your daily routine. All right, when we get to Aries rising, whoops, Aries rising is having an equally tough time as Scorpio rising right now because it's 
ascendant ruler, Mars, is messed up in the fourth house and angular. I would say Aries ascendants right now are, are probably bearing the brunt of uh, most of the challenge of Mars right now, especially in their domestic situation, issues with parents, issues with kids, issues with your home. You know, Mars is creating all sorts of havoc with Aries sun and Aries rising right now. Now you're going to have a new moon in your second house of resources where you will be hopefully making a new start and weeding out anything that is fallen into corruption with the way that you support yourself. It's important to be flexible and to communicate with flexibility and not get, you know, really fixated on one way and only one way of doing things. It's important to hear other people's opinions with all this stuff hanging out in, in Gemini here. Um, Saturn's really asking you to, to take a good hard look at your friend group and the people you associate with and maybe some endings coming with that. And that may, may make it especially hard to deal with some of the domestic situation because you're getting some hard lessons within your social sphere as well. So I feel for you, Aries Rising, um, really utilize your ability to, um, I don't know, I think that the Aries Risings are really good at self-reliance, at being able to recover quickly from challenges. I think that's the thing. Like Aries doesn't get fixated on something going wrong. They say, okay, I dealt with it, and then I'm going to move on. Like they, so just don't get, don't get uh, caught up in the past, like continually move forward here. Okay. And I think that is all of it. Did I do Taurus rising already? Somebody please tell me if I did that. If I did Taurus rising. I think I did. Pretty sure. I, th I think I went through all 12 signs here. That was a <laughs> thanks taria yeah she was talking about sag rising she's a sag rising so she's got a probably got some stuff going on for sure um so hopefully yeah that was helpful i, I like going through um stuff uh with rising signs and things like that i think this this can be helpful for for sun signs and rising signs but i think that studying traditional astrology I find it a little bit more accurate if you if you utilize this due to your rising sign. I think sometimes we make the mistake. It's not necessarily a mistake, but I think we put a little bit too much emphasis on the sun as being, you know, who we are. But if we, you study traditional astrology, the first house starts to take on more prominence for who and what you are and what you believe in and affecting you personally. Uh, you know, ancient astrologers thought of at, uh, as those angular houses as having much more power to to affect you personally. So people were, with this lunation that is um, angular, Taurus, Leo, uh, Sa um, Saturn, <laughs> Aquarius, and Scorpio are going to feel this new moon pretty significantly. Uh, I'm included in this because I'm a, I'm a Leo ascendant, so I'm going to feel this new moon. I'm going to feel this one probably more intensely than some other ones. Uh, I started with Taurus. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Susanna. I, we did it. We got through it. And hopefully this will be useful for all of you out there in virtual land. If you're watching after the fact too, hopefully I've given you some personal stuff for how to deal with this lunation. Remember, if you are enjoying these videos and you want to uh, get some even more personalized advice, reach out for a reading. 
Uh, I can only do very general things when I don't have when I don't know what's going on with your particular chart because there are going to be differences that come up with the planets making conversations and interactions with your personal planet. So those were very, very general themes for each rising sign, but everyone's going to have a, a different manifestation of this based on the interaction with your own chart. Um, so reach out for a reading if you're trying this. I'm going to uh, make available again my Mercury retrograde reading too. I had a special reading that was like an hour that was a discounted reading to be able to deal with Mercury retrograde that's coming up uh, on, you know, believe this is this is happening at the in the third decan of Gemini. So we, we, we're going to be really asking us a lot, a lot of questions in the Gemini area of our chart. And if you'd like help going through and, and parsing some of those things out with an objective third party, I'd be happy to, to help you with that. Lisa says, the deluxe reading you gave me surpassed my expectations. Oh, thank you, Lisa. I, I was really, I'm really happy to work with you. I, we've been doing some really good astrological tutoring and Lisa did a deluxe reading. We've, we've really had a good connection. Um, yeah, I, I, I really take my job and my readings seriously, and I try to prepare really intensely for those readings as, as much as I do for these, these um, live streams and for the uh, Deccan videos that I do. I, I, quality over quantity is, is, is my kind of thing here. Um, although I do produce quite a bit of quantity as well, I'm finding. Uh, so reach out for a reading if you need help. Uh, Take a look for the, the uh, I'm going to, in the next few hours here, I'll make the, the Mercury retrograde um, reading available on my scheduling app. So you can schedule that if you're looking for that. Uh, if you are enjoying what I'm doing here, we're going to put a, put a wrap on this. Uh, make sure you hit that like button. That's the easiest thing that you can do to, to make this go out to more people in the algorithm. Um, Subscribe to the channel if you're not a subscriber. Thank you for being here. If you're brand new, uh, I think that um, leave me a comment. Even if you're looking at this after the fact, that can help. Uh, if you want to support the work that I do, if you enjoyed this live stream, uh, a, a way that you can contribute materially is going to buymeacoffee.com or my Venmo or whatever and, and making a little donation for the time that I've spent with you today here. That always is super appreciated and it helps me to give me time to keep the, the lights on and do the research that I need to do to do these videos. I really appreciate all of your help and donations that you've been making over the course of the last few months. It's been really inspiring uh, to see that that there is like this, this energy exchange with people. Uh, Lisa says, I enjoyed the info on the houses that are blind spots due to aversion. Yeah, that, that's something I've been really working with lately with clients is, is really trying to help people with, you know, this kind of eight of swords energy, right? If, if you have, if the Lord of your um, particular house does not witness, it usually is a sore spot that we need to take extra energy to work through. And this whole concept of Martine Hermes about really looking to the exaltation Lord can really be helpful. But everybody's probably going to have a house that they have a complete blind spot. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you may have to, to put extra energy to make that house successful. And I, I have this. My first house has no uh, Lord witnessing it. And my 11th house has no nothing witnessing it. So I, you know, even though I have Venus in my 11th house, which is helping, I have to work hard with groups. I have to work hard with figuring out who I am and say, what, what is Spencer? Is he a musician? Is he an astrologer? Is he a gardener? What is this 
person that is called Spencer Michaud in, in this flesh suit. And, uh, but again, I really enjoy helping people to, to figure out um, how to find solutions to these challenges. I'm very solution orientated and I try to be very practical with my advice. So again, reach out for a reading. Um, if, if you are needing extra help during this eclipse period that may be coming up, um, I do have uh, availability on Mondays and Tuesdays, but I, I'd be more than happy to open up other days of the week. If those days don't work for you, just send me an email, spencermichelleastrology at gmail.com. All right. Ooh, maybe a specific reading for houses and aversion and how to mitigate. I like that. Lisa, you have good ideas. That is a great idea. The aversion reading. I'm going to do that. That's a great idea. <laughs> so, See, you put things out there and you, you let things come to you and, and everybody benefits. All right, my friends, uh, we're hitting the two hour mark here. This was an awesome conversation. Uh, we tried some new things today. I wish you a lot of luck with the Taurus new moon. Thank you for showing up on a Monday. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people here are loyal, loyal, loyal followers and, and are, have been really great participants over the the past months and years. And I really appreciate all of you and, and you continuing to show up. We've, we've really started to craft a really nice community here. And I hope in the, in the months ahead, slowly but surely, to start expanding offerings where we can meet up as groups and you know get to know each other more and do more educational opportunities, more classes, more group Q and A's, more Zoom meetings and things like that. It's something that's always on my mind. It's just a it's a, just a slow process and a slow unfolding, so that I can make sure that I can sustain that over time, and that when I make an offering, I'm really going to feel it's it's in integrity and in alignment with something that I can keep up with and that I can um, deliver. Okay, that's the key. Can I deliver on that? And so that's why it takes me longer to to do that. But but thank you for being here today, Turtle. Yeah, <laughs> Lisa's got a little turtle there. Uh, Tarya says, thank you for these live streams. Yeah, these live streams are fun. I, I almost would like to do more stuff like this because I really appreciate the interaction. So um, thank you all for being here today. And uh, remember, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Be patient, 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 patient. Remember, this is a Taurus new moon. It'll work out, you know. Work with nature. Don't force it. Don't force the river. All right, everyone. Take it easy, and I'll see you the next time. Peace.